0: It's time for another episode of Startup Impact Radio, the podcast about entrepreneurs and their vision for changing the world. My co-host is Scott Tobe, CEO of Signature Financial Planning, and I'm Joel Reed, CEO of OpenArk.
1: Today, we're talking about exchange innovation and Russ Bilk-Pittsburgh with Kit Mueller, who is a seasoned entrepreneur and community builder. We'll discuss everything there is to know about building communities, ecosystems, and a culture of innovation. Thanks for joining us, Kit. Thank you both. Great to be here. Great. Well, Kit, can you
0: just give us a little bit of your background for our listeners who may not
2: know you? I appreciate that. So, uh, my name is Kit Muller. I run an organization here called Rust Built. We uh, serve as one of the hubs of the regional startup community. Um, that, this work uh, in the community, in the startup community building uh, space, is based on 20 plus years of actually building, funding, investing, advising startups, uh, both in Pittsburgh and around the Midwest. Um, I I spent the better part of my 20s in Pittsburgh building tech companies, kind of evolving from, you know, small little online calculators to venture-backed companies, some successes, some failures. Um, Moved to Chicago for about a decade, did more of that. Um, But this notion of startup ecosystem began to coalesce, and I really began to geek out on that. So um, I would go to other cities and study it and kind of join with other people um, in doing that. And I think we have some great outcomes out there. Um, about ten years ago, returned home, and I've been investing, advising, and sort of instigating the community with an amazing cast of community supporters uh, and people like you.
1: Thanks again. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm curious. You know, Chicago being a, a big Midwestern city, and Pittsburgh being kind of a, a smaller Midwestern city. Can, can you talk to us a little bit about the differences between the ecosystems in Chicago and Pittsburgh? And and, yeah, I think that'd be- it's interesting. I uh, I hear a lot of the same conversations
2: in Pittsburgh that I that I heard there. There's not enough money here. The ideas aren't big enough. We don't get enough attention. Uh, the companies won't work with us. I was we were having these same exact decisions and conversations during my my tour there. And um, to that, I say, um, you know, every city sort of has its own. Um, uh, well, I mean, Chicago literally is called the secondary city, second city, because it, you know, kind of. Um, deflects to to new york but i think regions like ours i include chicago in that um where we where we actually really built america i think we spent a lot of time trying to be the next anywhere else and i think where you're really starting to see in both in chicago and here where the rubber hit hit in the road and that inflection point is that we're actually owning what we're amazing and doubling down on that rather than trying to be the next anywhere else that's great
0: and uh just for the benefit of our listeners, can you talk about what you think we are amazing at, at in Pittsburgh?
2: Well, so I, I think that what's working is we history, like I said, we literally built America. So we have that in our DNA. We can build stuff. Uh we literally built, you know, uh some of the biggest buildings and most impactful efforts and some of the largest venture capital funds came out of here and some of the biggest companies and ideas. Uh so we have a history of that. And that's still that that's still informed a lot of what we do today. So You're seeing that sort of engineering prowess, uh, reveal its head in autonomy and robotics and advanced manufacturing. Um, we're one of those cities that actually has a burgeoning life sciences community, you know, I get to travel to a lot of uh, ecosystems and a lot of times I hear that they have a big hospital. So it's inferred that they have a large life sciences ecosystem. That that couldn't be more true here that we really do the full stack of of, uh, life sciences ecosystem. So I'd say those are our strengths. We all, we've always had. Amazing talent coming out of our research institutions. You know, one of the largest um, recipients of research dollars in the world. Um, and then, you know, Carnegie Mellon—that's been amazing at the engineering and AI and robotics for a long time. Um, we have an amazing quality of life. You know, that can—that if you want to build a company here, you can actually have a 360. I can build my company, have a family. You know, enjoy the outdoors and have um, tickets to the cultural institutions. And then we have this connected city. We're we're, we're literally connected across all our neighborhoods. And then. It's really easy to. It's easier than most regions to get physically, right? To get plugged in, and we're one of those cities that when you raise your hand and you want to do good work, we rally around each other that they want to do that.
1: So that's why I think we're we're starting to see a moment in Pittsburgh. Kid, okay, it's exciting to hear you talk about you know all all the things going on in Pittsburgh and and all the good and you know certainly that's why I am an investor here in this community and and really love this community. But obviously, there's challenges here as well. So. You know, can you talk about the flip side? What are the things that we need to work on to, to become better at this, in the startup space?
2: Absolutely. I mean, I think there's technical stuff. I think that um, the the thing, you know, we're, we're really good at building stuff, but uh, if, if I said that we could work on it and double down it, we, the things that we build should be more impactful and probably better designed. We should be able, to, as a community, to better sell, tell stories and sell those things, right? I mean, the knock against us is, hey, they're really good at research, but the commercialization is TBD. So I think we could really, yeah, you know, um spend some time and effort getting better at that. Um, there's tons of of great examples in this region where we are making that that leap. But I think across the region, I think that those are the two big things. And then societally, I think that the voices that are included in the innovation conversations have been pretty similar and homogenous for far too long. And so that, you know, it study upon study and 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 frankly, just just our lived experience proves that the more voices, the more diverse voices, the more the different opinions, the more people from different neighborhoods and sectors and countries and languages and lifestyles that are involved in the conversation, the better the outcome. Not just for the touchy-feely things, right? For, for, for grant reports and the things, but actual outcomes, for financial outcomes, for people's livelihoods, that nothing, it, excuse me, it could only get better if you include more voices in it. great. And, and kid, you were talking about connection just a
0: minute ago and how that was something we can do in Pittsburgh, um, maybe better than some other larger cities. And I know that's part of one of the key themes of exchange innovation, uh, connect and disrupt. So could you talk about um, how you came up with those two key parts and and how they are woven into exchange innovation?
2: Yeah. Ex- the exchange PGH series this year um, leverages the 10 years of work we've been doing in the community building space on, with Rustman. And so we've always liked to believe that we have sort of our our, our air to the ground on what exactly is happening with people building companies and investing companies and the people that want to support them. And so uh, we took a step back. We had a big conference um, just toward the tail end of COVID where we still had to swipe our nose and everybody had to be vaccinated to get in the building. Um, So we pulled that off. We took a step back last year and we thought, what are the strengths, right? What are the challenges? How do we get the best of what's going on? and have free conversations about the things we need to improve on. So the four events this year, we just had the Exchange Ideas Weekend at Carnegie Mellon University with about hundred people that came through the door uh, for the weekend of, of generating several hundred ideas that can cascade in the ecosystem, including into the upcoming Exchange Innovation which means to all the great things going on. So there's three types of audiences we have. Sort of the person that doesn't have context, they're not from here, they didn't go to CMU, they're not looking to raise money, maybe they just left a corporation, they want to find out what the, all this excitement is in the startup community. Um, two, the person that has their heads head down building a robot in the south side and wants to go check out what's happening in the life science community. She wants to see the amazing restaurants or the people innovating in non-technical things like um, some, of the, some of the machinists over here in Homewood. Uh, or, you know, I mean, um, the third audience is, is frankly, it's this person. Well, Pittsburgh had a great shot with that Duolingo, but it's a bummer that Argo's laying off and Tech's dead in Pittsburgh. We want to show that there's still amazing things going on, including in the autonomy sector, but also on on Main Streets, right? In 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 restaurants, in laundry. We want to show that there's real innovation happening, and it doesn't need to have a .dot com after it or say .dot a. And so that, that those are the three media audiences. Two, a lot of the times in our region, we so either stuck in our neighborhoods and our sectors, our businesses. Or in our circles, we need, an, of course, to be instigated an in opportunity to cross polling. We need to leave our neighborhoods. We need to leave our, our, our sort of bubble and get out and seeing things going on and get more engaged. And so we have over 50 plus community events going on at the end of April during Exchange Innovation Week. And those range from coffee meetups in the morning to big uh, investor presentations at night. We have um, uh, lip syncing battles. We have, um, laser cutting i mean it's it ranges the full boat we have but it shows two things one there's still amazing opportunity right here across the region and two we need to join arms and have more frank discussions on how are we going to make this innovation economy more accessible and more impactful
0: i love the creativity that you're bringing to this and your team kit it's it's awesome
2: well let me let me say we we make a lot of noise and we get the opportunity to speak a lot but there's an army of people
1: that have, that have wanted to see this and are rolling up their sleeves and making it happen. Yeah, yeah, it's exciting. And you're you're you know you're talking a, a lot about highlighting the innovation uh, that's taking place in Pittsburgh. Can you drill down, talk to us about what are what are some of the things you're going to highlight and and what what are the things that get you excited in this region specifically right now? Boy, uh, I don't have time to go through all of it, but I
2: mean it. It is. It, it's actually saying like, hey, here's this is a moment, right? This so this year's series. Hopefully, we we see this continuing and. Um, this year's series is going to highlight the actual things that we're good at, right? Like I mentioned, um, it highlights the fact that we have a prowess in bringing things to market, and 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 those things are typically built here. Um, the ideas and products and and teams around it are from here, and they're making a global impact in the world to this day. So that kind of lives up to the actual legacy that. We have. Two, we have an opportunity, and I think we're we it's it's a very interesting inflection point we have as a, as a region, um, to double down on our strengths and make that leap and quit talking about it, right? A lot of lip service gets done by a lot of organizations, um, but there's a great group of, of builders, designers, thinkers, storytellers that are that are moving it. And we're, we want to provide, basically as a region, we, we took a week, an opportunity to say, let's shine the light now, let's all get in rooms together and kind of cross collaborate on all of this stuff and and really make this to to grow the region's innovation ecosystem to its full potential.
0: Kit, you mentioned how you're trying to involve more diverse voices and in, in the Pittsburgh ecosystem. Has there been any impact that you or stories you could share to the this exchange innovation week in terms of sure. uh, diverse voices making that a better, a better
2: yeah, event? I, I gotta tell you, when when uh you know, when this was just a bad idea late last fall that people kept encouraging us to do, um, it and it's more because of the community's voices, right? Like we can help kind of convene, but this is everybody's input and rolling up. And I have an idea to do this. I have a speaker. I have a, I have a sponsor. I have a location. I have, I have something we wanted to talk about. So those are starting to coalesce in the form of innovation. What really proved that this might be some, just something was from the earliest outset. I remember we had a, a, a full stake, excuse me, full stack pancake breakfast here in Homewood. It was eight degrees. It was a Monday morning, right? There was like scant information. We did like, you know, a little bit of like, hey, here's what to expect. But 350 people showed up with that. And it was janitors and cooks and corporate leaders and foundation leaders and elected officials. um, Every cross section of the whole innovation ecosystem of those people that we kind of know by because they've been in the headlines or, or their names are sort of prominent to the people that haven't had yet had the opportunity to have their voices included. And they're sitting there over paper plates with pancakes talking about the excitement in the room, the electricity. So the, the advisory board, um, and the organizers just sat and they're like, there's something here, I think we're, and so that was even proven more during exchange ideas where, um, people were, so we flipped what the, the traditional idea of a hackathon on its head, you come with a hundred ideas on, and by Sunday, there's three, we flipped it and said, let's let's invite everybody to kind of generate, make impactful. Well designed, well informed ideas come into the end of the weekend and generate hundreds of ideas of excited entrepreneurs, corporate innovators, startup leaders, startup supporters into the ecosystem and have them reconvene during
1: the exchange innovation week. Mm-hmm. That's great. That sounds like it's going to be really impactful. Um, so well, I'm, I'm curious, you, you've been here now a decade. Uh, you started in uh about, a, about 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, what are, what are the impacts that you've had over the last decade that you're most proud about and and what are you looking to do over the next decade? So, um,
2: yeah. And and by the way, this is an ongoing conversation of like what we're looking to do. So I'm most proud of the fact, and it happens all the time when, um, you know, we put together events and we have these, you know, we have the newsletter and we try to create as much connections and context for people. But when somebody emails us or writes us or just pulls us aside and says, Hey, I started this, or I didn't feel uh, before I came to this or read this, I didn't feel the permission, or I was giving myself an excuse not to do this um, before I attended this event or you introduced me to them. And so the we are most proud that we do what we say. Um, we try to build a little bit more than we bitch, right? Um, and then, um, we hope to inspire more people to do others. I think one of the most important things that we've done is that when when I first came home about ten years ago, the regional community calendar sort of looked sparse, and now it's there's like ten things going on at any given time, and I hope we played a small part in you know instigating and inspiring people to um to get stuff done. That's great. And over the next decade over the next decade right oh uh over the next decade. So um, I'm almost 50. Um, I wanna continue building companies firsthand. I wanna continue investing in advising companies. Um, we do wanna be a support structure, but we don't think that we wanna be yet another entity that needs to be funded or, 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 or needs to be finite. We, we wanna be part of a collaborative. So that's why we did Exchange at PGH, right? We are intentionally doing an arms length from Built to invite more people into the conversation, to invite more people to actually deploy all the amazing good ideas that are happening so we want to still be a part of it um over the next generation i think over the next 10 years um and we we probably will play a large role but we'd like to include more voices in that um and have more regional stakeholders that we don't even know those names yet okay
0: so one thing i've learned thus far is i'm the oldest person in this podcast right now if you're st- if you haven't turned 50 yet kids <laughs> yeah illustrious uh award i get today um <laughs> Kit, uh, for a moment of vulnerability, it, what keeps you up at night uh, about the Pittsburgh startup ecosystem, or or what you're trying to accomplish?
2: Well, so the ecosystem, I think you know what what concerns me too is we're in a precarious position right now. There there seems to be a vacuum of leadership of uh, you know from from sort of like nobody's coming to save us. And part of the entrepreneurs we sort of know that, um, but there there needs to be more um, opportunities to get connected and and get the the, the context and connections to actually just get the gumption to to put your ideas or your dreams into action. Um and I think that, that without people rallying around, um, I get worried that um people might give themselves too many excuses not to try. So that's a big thing. Um you know it's as much inspiration as, as, as instigation. So those are kind of the, the macro thing. Um I know that I know the reason I do this stuff is because people doing way bigger ideas and, and tackling way bigger tasks than I thought was possible brought me into rooms where I didn't belong. And, uh, and it's sort of, this has been a macro way of giving back. I didn't even realize that until, you know, about 10 years ago when I started to think about legacy, but I'm here because the people before me, you know, helped me open doors and, you know, prodded me and told me, well, that's not good enough. Keep doing it. Um, mm-hmm. and so a lot of them, those guys aren't around anymore or girls aren't mm-hmm. around. And I, I'd like to be a part of that group that catalyzes the next generation.
0: Mm-hmm
1: yeah can I agree there's they you all know, for me you know there I can think about a few mentors that really changed the scope of my uh career and and really broadened my horizons and and helped me be a better leader. so I'm curious if you could talk about maybe you know a mentor or two that that uh that really changed your life. I can tell you one so <clears throat> my uh I had a mentor when i so uh
2: i used was working for a startup company in the North Hills doing um retirement tax software. And uh, I had the worst boss and it's the best blessing thing that ever happened to me because I would complain every week, every Sunday to my mentor at church. And he finally just said, Hey, either do something about it or you stop complaining. And so literally that day um, I went into to, to that current company and my whole trajectory, I ended up quitting, starting my own thing and, and, and catalyzing to what I do now. And it's because one person held me come. A
0: similar experience at a company that I was at where I hit a, wall and uh, shouldn't have been there any longer, needed to kick in the pants to get out and start something new. We've heard that story a lot from entrepreneurs that adversity gave them the impetus and the motivation to step out and take some chances.
2: Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I never thought I could, you know, do my own thing. I thought I'd be like, I'm going to be the best salesperson or employee or you know, helper, you know, number two on stuff. And, um, just given that kind of grace and, and frankly, being held accountable was the most important thing that's ever done. So I try to transmit it right now and talk to founders. I'm like, if I can do it right. So I'm a college dropout. I've been able to at least have make some impression. And so anybody, most, most founders I meet around here, um, there's always something that we, that we sort of are holding from ourselves. And I try to give, you know, a little permission of like, that's not, that's not that important. It may seem important right now. Um. But there's ways to, to build beyond it. And uh, you know,
1: there's the once you do, there's an army of people that will help. Yeah, so we, we we talk a lot on this show about how entrepreneurs are just a, a different breed of, of, of person. And it takes a lot of, you know, different skill sets to be able to be a successful entrepreneur. So I'm curious, like what 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 are the skills that you think make a successful entrepreneur? Uh so I always said my the the way so I've spent a career of being in industries I
2: have no business being in. Like I said. I was in uh, qualified distribution planning software when I was at the age of 20. For the people that don't know, it mean, just tax efficiently taking money out of, out of uh, IRAs and, and 401k's uh, tax, tax uh, efficient companies. I didn't know what those words meant when I was 20. I then went into um, mobile presence management, which is the piping difference um, to instant messaging. And I worked with Motorola and the biggest companies in the world. Again, I was a poly side dropout. Um, then I went into robotics and then I went into mobile video and so I think it's the ability to be fearless in the face of tons of adversity, right? That's just a normal startup mindset. Um, what do I say? It's entrepreneurship is a state of mind and some people call it um, mental sickness. Um, uh, but you have to be a little crazy to do it because you, you have to defy the odds and you have to do it every day. And you have to realize too, so I don't think it's a mental sickness. I think that mental health is the most important because you do have to have the grit to get back up after getting picked up every day. And there is that grit also has to come with a little personal grace, um, some some self care in there, right? In fact, fact, every year I get older, um, taking care of my body and my mind is the only way I get up in the morning and I'm able to take on you know the lion's share of tasks. So, and that was something that that was probably a hard lesson. You know, I probably was running myself into the ground too far, a lot of it. So, I think that you have to take care of the head as much as the body, and that is as much being just being healthy. Um, as a person helps you be healthy as a founder and healthy as a boss and healthy as an investor. Um, And I think that that became really apparent more so or more prescient as I got older, probably like when I turned 40.
0: A question we like to often ask people is, what would you tell your younger self? You may have just answered that question, but if you had to give advice to uh, Kit Mueller, age 20, just starting
2: his career at 22, well, would that be the advice anything different? Well, so if you talk to the eighteen year old me that still thought he was going to run for president someday um <laughs> and disavowed like actually got the chance to go down and and try it out and learn that wasn't that wasn't the way to to do anything meaningful um mm-hmm. I don't know I think that um uh a better better understanding yourself like understanding what your true ta- true talents are right like I think innately you know them, and I think people validate you for some of those things um but just just having the the ability to understand what your talents are and knowing how to impart them with others. Like there's, we're all given certain um, unique gifts. And I think that
1: trying to understand them as early as possible gets you as far as possible in life. You know, I'm intrigued. I want to go back to talk about the importance of an entrepreneur taking care of of their body and their mind. You know, I think that most listeners probably have an idea of how to take care of their body, eat healthy, and you get exercise and hopefully good sleep. And, and that, that, that really t- goes a long way for taking care of the body. So what are your special ways for taking care of the mind? Because I don't think our society quite has as many tools uh, available. Yeah, that's true, that. that's
2: true. Um, so I don't, I don't uh, preclude to know anything special. I just uh, what I'm learning from others. And I just think I have more of a mind's eye towards that right now a lot, a lot, probably in the past 10 years. Um, and the same way I talk about a founder relationship or an investor relationship as a marriage, I think that we as a society have become um, a lot more accepting um, and embracing of getting counseling for those type of issues. I think that just uh, having people to talk to, whether it's formal or informal, um, building a, uh, sort of your uh, formal and informal advisory cabinet, having people who you can share with that, have, that can say the following, when that happened to me, I did this. I think that there's, a, um, there's too many well-intended actors in the ecosystem that um, just want to be useful. And I think that um, as a founder or or a person in that kind of position, um, having a keen eye towards, um, is that experience-based advice or is that just kind of like headline grabbing? Um, I, I point that out when you ask me that, because I think that we as an ecosystem cannot, can, can help entrepreneurs as they go around. And by the time that we've helped them to death, their company's out of business, and that, and that causes emotional, you know, um, damage and depression. And, 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 and it, it takes a while to get out of that. I can speak firsthand. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think that taking care of yourself, being keen on the advice you're given, um, being supportive of others as much as yourself, and then and building a good army around yourself. Um, mm-hmm. And that, that includes like talking to people. Like I think counseling is the most important thing for one of the most important things and being mindful, like mindfulness, um, I'm the most, one of the most hyper people I know, but I think I've also gotten the most out of, um, whether it's meditating or doing hot yoga or, or things that I would have totally poo-pooed about 10 years ago. Um, when I come out of that, I, I feel a lot more me, you know, and I feel a lot more in prepared to take on all the, the challenges that, that come along. I mean, one thing they never tell you about being an entrepreneur, about when they're, you know, when you're, well, I'm going to be on the cover of Y or something is that every day is the worst day and every day is the best day. And you, and that's really a, like, like, screws with your head. Um, the, 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 the experienced founders that I, I sort tor- of, to, to surround myself with is um, if you're having a good day, just wait for it. You know, like you gotta, you gotta be ready. And that, I say that glibly, but I think you have to be prepared. It's not just, you gotta know your product. You gotta know your market. You gotta know how to fundraise. It's all of that. And then just the realities of um, you're going to fall off a cliff. And you gotta you, you gotta figure out what's gonna happen on the way down, and then including the crash landing and getting back up. Okay. And the end also, I, I gotta tell you, what was interesting and unexpected was at the highest heights, it it it's a totally different feeling. Like whether it's an exit or a massive round or a big customer engagement or a huge speed engagement, you gotta you gotta be right there too. So taking care of yourself. Um, yeah, I, it's interesting. I I never thought. Um, that I could physically do a lot of the things I've been able to in the, in the past couple of years, and I 100% blame and attribute credit to my friends that have challenged us, uh, with things. In fact, most of the physical challenge we've done, I finish, um, as we know when we're doing, these challenges to keep ourselves accountable on, on the, on the health stuff. I finish, and I still think it's like, I talk about it like it's somebody else that did it. Um, but I feel like that about my startup journey too, is like, you know, I've had great successes and I'm still like, well, the next one's going to be hard. I'm not going to be able to do that one. So, you know, surrounding yourself with a, a strong group of people, which I'm so lucky to, to to call so many amazing founders and investors and advisors, my friends, um, and felt and um, and people in the in the in the startup community have been amazingly supportive. Um, and I get inspired every day. I mean, I get I get to meet with some of the smartest people in the world, working on some of the biggest problems. Um, so that's what that what puts me to bed at night. The 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 bad stuff
1: keeps me up, but the this, the good stuff helps me.
2: Scott
0: and I are part of a group that really emphasizes that idea of being vulnerable with a small group of people that you can trust and be yourself and that a lot of mental health can come from just getting rid of all of the facades we put up around us and being yourself and then being in a group of people that won't give you advice so much as just share their experience uh, uh, that they had. Yeah. And listen. Yeah.
2: Well, we saw it as a society during COVID, right? We all were locked in our rooms and um, a lot of us found ourselves uh, on Zoom happy hour, realizing even though we're drinking alone at home, we, that we need that connection. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I think that the absence of it has pushed it a lot. I, I know a lot more. Um, I know from my end, I'm reaching out a lot more and I'm trying to be more vulnerable. Um, and I, I, I can feel it from my friends and advisors.
1: We need yeah.
2: it. Yeah. We all got a wake up call
0: that it's important to have that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I actually just uh, heard a keynote speaker at a meeting I was at and her her entire, um, her entire talk was about relationships and, you know, the importance of, you know, she said that I think it was like 60% of people say they report uh, at least once a week feeling lonely, um, even though they're surrounded by people. And. She really talked about you know how you break through that and and the, and really it's about being vulnerable and you know trusting people and and breaking down the barriers that you have and obviously that can be very difficult to do but uh, you know she she believes in, uh, and I and and used a lot of research to back it up that that's the key to happiness and and success in long life so yeah we got to realize that like everybody's going through their own personal journey mm-hmm.
2: you know and even though we're stuck in our own heads I think that you know accommodating those issues and those feelings with others. Um, it, it's easy to say, hard to do, but I think it's it, it's paramount in what we're doing. I think that that's the way that, you know, I, I see a community forming. I think that I think that empathy informs a lot of what we do. Um, if it was interesting, I my, my old mentor, um, who doesn't get a lot, he, he lived outside of the state and doesn't get a lot to see, uh, doesn't get to see a lot of what I do here, but he, uh, he, he was up here um, last year and got to see sort of the events that we were putting on and everything. and And he called it a ministry. Interesting. He said that you just convene people and you you know you're you're being empathetic and you're being leaded. You're showing leadership by example. And um, well, I don't know if it's truly memorable. I think that that's that's just a way. I, I, I what I drew from that was like showing uh, experience based advice with an empathetic like kind of layer on it, and just being there for people to model and connect. Um, I think that. I'm glad I had it and I want more people to have it. So that's sort of what informs everything we do.
0: (laughs) And kid, you mentioned the difference between being at a high point um, in your, with your startup and some of those low, low points we all experience. And I was just reminded that it's important when you're at a high point or doing well to build those relationships, because sometimes when we're in those low points, we are, we shut down and we, we don't reach out when we really most need to. And having those people in our life before that happens is, is so critical as entrepreneurship.
2: Couldn't, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I uh, I'd like to think I uh, follow the path of like building my well before I need a drink, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I've seen that. In fact, one of my larger recent exits uh, was an amazing morning and the afternoon was one of the worst days. And having people that I could just share with and connect with and, and be supported by on that same day um, it was probably as emotionally taxing for both of them it was one of those days that like, maybe I've done something a little
1: right, you know, and, in, in in who I've put
2: around me, been really lucky. Yeah.
1: Is yeah, to talk to us, you know, you, you, you talked, you mentioned obviously some great wins. You also mentioned that you had some failures. Talk to us about the experience of, of going through those failures. And then what did you, what, what did you learn from them and how has it made you a better entrepreneur? You know, I almost, I, I almost hate to read this or see this where you're like, you learn more from the failures, but it's
2: 100% true, right? Um, I think we as a region also need to get a lot more with, with all the, you know, it's interesting for being such as a city that was built on the back of entrepreneurs. We really don't understand the, the context and the nuances of it anymore. I think maybe because that old adage of like one generation rolls up their shirt sleeves and builds it, the next generation, you know, benefits. And then the ge- third generation has to do it again. I think we're in that generation where we're all building it. Uh, we believe me, this city is is, is so blessed with how much um, success and resources we have from the previous generation. Um, I think that we don't in, embrace failure here. We don't understand the, the, the engagement, right? Um, I know that more mature cities that they are having far outweighed success, understand that that failure is almost like a grad degree. Like you know like I know some people, I know some venture- backed founders that will not hire anybody that hasn't failed in something. It doesn't have to be a startup, but like, you know, like a material failure. I know that's one of my, one of the, one of the founders I admire. It's the first question. What's your biggest failure and what Mm -hmm. did you learn from it? I mean, from a macro perspective, hundred percent agree with that. It sucks when you're in it. Like when you're just coming out of it and it's embarrassing and especially because the game is getting everybody now, now success is so based on everybody paying attention to that success that when you fail, it feels a lot more painful. Um, so I wonder how that's going to play out longer because our success is so literally in you know visually driven media. Um, but I think that it doesn't matter. The, the fundamentals are we as a community need to rally, rally around those to make sure that they don't fail and B, when they do, that we help them pick back up, get them plugged back in, whether it's on their new company or the number four at an amazing thing or being an advisor or an investor uh, or finding what they actually want to do in life. Sometimes you don't need to get back up and do a startup, again, right? You can go back and be an amazing part of some of the amazing big corporate innovators we have in this region. Um, but just, you know, having been prepared for those conversations, I think we have a lot to grow as a region.
0: Yeah. And turning those quote unquote failures into something that is a launching point for something new that they're going to be able to do that they couldn't do before that failure because they didn't, didn't have that experience and that learning that they got out of that. So well, I, th- I
2: mean, I look at it this way. I think that the, the reason I'm still feel halfway, you know, halfway confident of what I'm doing is I know where to duck because I hit my nose too many times.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Where to bring in a partner or a teammate or, uh, uh yeah. Yeah. yeah
2: Someone
0: i mean, to compliment you.
2: I, I, I see too, I see a lot of founders that look way too much like me in, in the form of just being, you know, full of energy and, and possibility. And it's, and I, I never want them to lose it, but I want them to understand like, um, that you're not gonna be able to do it all yourself, you know. Um so I grew up on on uh, sailing uh with with my family and um my my dad um he had a little more R vision but his was a single a, a single handed sailor has a jerk for a first mate. Mm-hmm. You try to do everything your own you're not gonna make it. Mm-hmm. And I think that the same way in business or being you know startups. It's like we need each other. And so that's why I don't invest in teams of one. Mm-hmm. Um, try to stay away from it and make sure that and people starting companies out of the gates they have at least somebody uh hopefully mm-hmm. it, it, it's it's complementary strengths you know you know um I love to see a diverse team full of you know um people with with various traits and mm-hmm. um that's where the magic really happens
0: absolutely um well great i want I want to start bringing this in for a landing uh love love uh the time we could probably spend another several hours with you, kid, but <laughs> Um, tell us uh, your fra- favorite uh, place to go in Pittsburgh for a drink currently. I'm, I'm sure there's lots of awesome places. Where have you uh, enjoyed going recently? And what do you like to drink when you go there?
2: Well, okay. So um, this is pretty specific uh, because um, so it right now my favorite place is Noir Distillery. It's right at the, the top. It's right by um, Ineffable Cafe. Right down from Bloomfield, kind of up from Lawrenceville, um it's an amazing entrepreneurial story. um it's a it's a gin distiller, and they're starting to make other spirits too. but um, they took over uh, I think it was a car rental agency, and they're making it you know pittsburgh's black first black owned distiller. So the story is amazing. It's the best gin I've ever had. Um, being in there is it's it's kind of like um, I'm dating myself here, kind of like a, a a foamier version of Cheers, like everybody knows each other, and there's always some investor. The founder, what used to be at Aurora, and then he started his own, um, recruiting agency and kind of got the entrepreneur bug and was like, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do something that I'm passionate about. Um, mm-hmm. and finally make something with his hands that, that, that really highlights an amazing legacy. So, um, when I'm there, it's, I like to drink gin. Um, mm-hmm. this is the best gin I've ever had, hands down. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's some of my place. My right now, as, especially as the weather starting to turn, my favorite places in Pittsburgh are the outdoors. So I live across from Fick Park, which we can't believe. Uh, you know, it's over almost 700 acres of a like, real park, mm-hmm. um, and then just getting an in and out around the parks around the region. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, great, um, kid. Tell us,
0: uh, our listeners, just a little bit more about exchange, mm-hmm. innovation, and how they could get in.
2: You know, connect with with you and and be a part of that. Absolutely. So um, you can learn about the entire uh, Exchange PGH innovation and impact series at exchangepgh.com. So we took, we made the X the capital at the beginning. Don't worry if you type a typo, we bought the other URLs. Um, But specifically the upcoming week uh, that celebrates the whole community, and there's tons of ways to get plugged in, both to the stuff you're passionate about and the stuff you maybe even didn't know about um, and would like to learn more, is at exchangeinnovation.com. So that goes right to the schedule. And you can actually see where the events are hosted, who's speaking, who's sponsoring, um, kind of see the pathway throughout a day. And we don't expect anybody to go to all 50, but just see the highlights of what's going on. Um, the week sort of crescendos into more activity and more longer, deeper engagements. Um, but there's tons of stuff ranging from like taking fours of factories um, to a full investor day. We have an um, equitable innovation and, and uh, inter- excuse me, equitable innovation job and internship fair on Friday. Uh, we have natural speakers. We have a lot of local, um, up and coming founders and investors and corporate innovators. Um, so, if you are generally involved in the broad definition of innovation in this region, there's something for you, and there's also something to challenge you to kind of expand your horizons. That's
0: great. Well, uh, on behalf of Scott and I, we would definitely we we want to thank you for all you're doing for the community and the startup ecosystem here, Kit. Um, you're having a huge impact and We're proud to have you as a guest on our show today. Proud to
2: be here. I appreciate it.
0: All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, leave a rating and review. It all helps. You can follow me on LinkedIn at joel-reed-oa and follow Scott Tobe on LinkedIn at Scott Tobe SFP. Thanks again. And we'll see you again the next time.